your seats. We are going to go ahead and now transition to the preaching of God's holy word. As you find your way back to your seat, just wanted to thank you, church. My wife, Julie, and I have felt your prayers this week being answered as we were in the hospital with the birth of our son, Gideon, who was born on Thursday. Thank you so much, church, for your love and your cares. I can't thank you enough. They are both doing well. Gideon is home. They are recovering well. So thank you so much. It's been a hard week, but I'm just very encouraged, and I hope you're encouraged, of just your love and care for the body. So I want to personally thank you. Well, the title of today's message is A Mighty Fortress on the Battlefield as we have already been talking and seeing the Spirit move with God is our shield, God is our battle, He is our fortress, He is our protector. Today's text is found in the 59th chapter of the book of Psalms. I would encourage you to turn there with me. We will go ahead and read God's holy perfect, living, and active word together. Psalm 59. To the choir master, according to Do Not Destroy, a mictum of David, when Saul sent men to watch his house in order to kill him. Deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from those who work evil, and save me from bloodthirsty men. For behold, they lie in wait for my life. Fierce men stir up strife against me. For no transgression or sin of mine, O Lord, for no fault of mine, they run and make ready. Awake, come to meet me and see. You, Lord God of hosts, are God of Israel. Rouse yourself to punish all the nations. Spare none of those who treacherously plot evil. Each evening they come back, howling like dogs and prowling about the city. There they are, bellowing with their mouths, with swords in their lips. For who they think will hear us. But you, O Lord, laugh at them. You hold all the nations in derision. O my strength, I will watch for you. For you, O oh God, are my fortress. My God and the ste- my God and His steadfast love will meet me. God will let me look and triumph on my enemies. Kill them not, lest my people forget. Make them totter by the power, by your power, and bring them down, O oh Lord, our shield. For the sin of their mouth, the words of their lips, let them be trapped in their pride for the cursing and lies that they utter. Consume them in wrath. Consume them till they are no more that they may know that God rules over Jacob to the ends of the earth. Each evening they come back howling like dogs and prowling about the city. They wander about for food and growl if they do not get their fill. 
but I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud for your steadfast love in the morning. For you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. O oh, my strength, I will sing praises to you. For you, O oh God, are my fortress. The God who shows me steadfast love. Let's pray together. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, we have been going through a series in the life of our church called Seeing Christ in All of Scripture. We left, we left off learning life lessons from the life of Saul. And next Sunday, Lord willing, we'll be learning about the life of David. This psalm takes place right in the time frame of where we are currently in our series. That's God's providential care. I did not line this up, but God Almighty has brought this psalm, particularly in this time in our series. So I hope you're encouraged. Well, Psalm 59 is the psalm of David when he was fleeing for his life. This story comes from currently where we are in our series, 1 Samuel 19. This psalm, like many other psalms, is a song, a song of lament. Lament is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. Let's set the stage so we can understand a little bit about what is going on here in this psalm. David just recently defeated the great giant, Goliath. And word began to spread about his big victory over the giant Goliath. People began to know, people began to realize when you kill a giant, word travels pretty fast. He began to be very well known among the Israelites, God's people, about this great victory. And then after this big defeat, he was positioned as a leader in the military of the Israelites. So as David began to progress, he became to be known, he became to be a soldier in the army and a leader. And he became very mighty and liked among his fellow soldiers. And King Saul, we learned about him last time. He began to have seeds of jealousy sown into his heart. Saul began to see David as a threat to his power as king and no longer as an ally. Saul then plotted to have messengers sent to David's house in order to execute him. You see, Saul was very upset. Saul was very angry because he saw people like David. 
And there was a danger of his own heart. But David, getting word about Saul's evil plan, escaped out of the window of his house. Now Saul was being outraged. He sends men after David. He sends messengers after David. He wants David taken out of the picture. But every group runs into prophets that cause them to go into a fury. Saul finally goes in to investigate himself, and he also is sent into a prophetic fury. Things began, went crazy. God had all of this planned out. This brings us to Psalm 59. This morning we are going to be looking at the psalm through the eyes of David, the soldier. Now we must think like David in order to best engage this text this morning. David at this time was a mighty soldier and he was very familiar with battle combat. With that being said, there are three scenes of this psalm that will guide our time this morning. So we're going to think like David. David was a soldier. David was very familiar with battle. Three scenes that will guide our time this morning. Scene one, battle cry. Scene two, mighty fortress. Scene three, victor. Let's go ahead and begin. Battle cry, scene one. In ancient Israel, there was a ram's horn called the shofar. It was an instrument used for many different uses, but one of its many uses was the battle cry. In Judges 7, 20-22, this will help us to understand what the battle cry is. As you might be thinking, what in the world is a battle cry? I'm not familiar with combat. So let's look to Judges. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars. They held in their hands, left hands, the torches, and in their right hands, the trumpets to blow. And they cried out, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon! Every man stood in his place around the camp, and all the army ran. They cried out and fled. When they blew their 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrades and against all the army. The battle cry was be- was given in the bit, in the beginning of a battle. It began the battle. It called men into battle. So let's listen with the lens of the battle cry in verse 1. Deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from those who work evil and save me from bloodthirsty men. For behold, they lie and wait for my life. Fierce men stir up strife against me. For no transgression or sin of mine, O Lord, for no fault of mine. They run and make ready. Awake, come to meet me and see. You, Lord God of hosts, our God of Israel, rouse yourself to punish all the nations. Spare none of those who treacherously fought evil. The battle cry. Well, I have with me today an actual shofar from Israel that my father-in-law let me borrow because I want you to get the full experience of what was going on with the battle cry, with the alarm, with the deep motion, emotion that David was feeling within his own heart.
the shofar is a ram's horn. And they would use this in Israel for many different reasons, for many different uses. But one of the many uses, and one of the uses we're going to hear about today, is the battle cry. And just like the soldiers with Gideon, they blew their trumpets. This was a trumpet back then. It wasn't like the trumpets today. It was, this is a ram's horn. So I hope you enjoy. I'm going to blow it. So hopefully you enjoy this, get the full experience. We can hear the cry of David when we look at these verses. And we have to remember, David has deep, deep fear. His life is being threatened. He is terrified. There's deep emotion, deep lament that he's feeling. And he's crying his soul out to God, deep within his soul. And he, when he pens these words, these words are here to minister to us. We must linger to understand David's deep, deep, deep sorrow and care. And when we look at verse 5, after he pours out his soul to God, verse 5 said, says, You, Lord, God of hosts, or God of Israel, rouse yourself to punish all the nations, spare none of those who treacherously fought evil, the battle cry. This was David's battle cry. And we have to know, this was not the first attempt of Saul trying to take David's life, for he had already attempted to take his life a few times before this event. David is pouring out his soul to God. David pleads his case for no transgression or sin of mine. He cries out his innocence. He's innocent. Nothing have I done to deserve this. Yet Saul continues to to go after him. David says, I did not sin against Saul, my enemy, but yet he has turned his heart against me. This is the emotion. This is the feeling. This is the heavy weight that David is feeling within his own soul that he cries out. He gives the battle cry of his own heart, of his own soul. We must pause and to know there's certain times in our lives that we give the battle cry of our own heart. And we must drink down these words deep within our own soul. He goes on in verse 6. Each evening they come back, howling like dogs and prowling about the city. There they are, blowing with their mouths, with swords in their lips, for who they think will hear us. About a year ago, I was walking in our neighborhood like I usually do delivering the mail. I was walking on one of the streets and there is this dog that I've always had this deep fear about because this dog was a pit bull. But unlike most pit bulls, this dog was a pit bull and seemed to me a pit bull on steroids. His head was the size of a basketball, so it seemed. His bark was very loud. and always brought chills to my spine. His size was the size of a German shepherd, so it seemed. 
every time I walked past this dog, I would always look in that direction to make sure this dog's chain was still connected to the tree. Then one day, like any other day, I was walking by this dog, delivering the mail, and his chain broke. And my heart fell down to my feet, and he came right after me for the attack. I was terrified. I was shaking. I was in deep fear. Suspense. Praise be to God that the owner outside was outside, and he delivered me from my enemy, this dog. He snatched him before the dog took my leg off. This is the imagery that David is trying to relate. The fear that they come back as dogs trying to attack, to devour. We must let this truth, these, these emotions deep in, deep within our soul to understand what David is feeling right now. He had deep fear for his life. Have you ever felt that deep fear? I believe the Holy Spirit wants to give us counsel this morning with regard to these precious words. Notice how David doesn't ignore his fear that he's feeling. He faces it. He faces the fear. He pens it down. He wrestles with this deep fear, this deep longing, what's going on in his life. And God knows exactly where each and every one of you are this morning in your life, in the season that you're in. And He knows exactly what enemies that you are currently facing today. We must face your enemy. We must face our enemies here this morning. We cannot ignore how we feel. God gave us emotions. He gave us a soul. He gave us feeling that we may go down deep, go down deep with God and truly face what you're going through, the enemies that you're facing. And I encourage you, this passage here, encourage you to cry out to God with your whole being and lament. For Psalms 139 proclaims, you know, all your days before you lived a single one of them, God knows exactly, exactly what you're going through. He has ordained it for a purpose and for a reason. Cry out to Him. Cry out to God. And we must come to grips with the reality, reality that we live every day on the battlefield. This Christian life is a battlefield. It is true. There is true enemies that attack us every day. But we're reminded in Ephesians 6, 10-13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For you do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. May you face your enemies this morning. May you and I face whatever your enemies are, whether it's indwelling sin, cancer, uncertainty, your past, guilt, relationships, 
chronic pain, disease, shame, and like David, even death. You name it. We must face. God desires you today to name your enemies and to face them. And to face them with the truth of God's precious word. We must linger here and let these words sink down deep into our souls because the truth, we're going to get there. Scene number two is this. Mighty fortress. We must understand the depth of what David feels. And he faces it. He doesn't ignore it so that we can face the truth that there's a mighty fortress on the battlefield. So let's read verses 8 through 10. But you, O Lord, laugh at them. You hold all the nations in derision. O my strength, I will watch for you. For you, O God, are my fortress. My God and His steadfast love will meet me. God will let me look and triumph on my enemies. God is a mighty fortress. He compares his God, our God, to a mighty fortress. Now we must understand what a fortress is. Let's understand what it is. A fortress in biblical times were walled structures, a fortified location, a large and permanent structure for defense against enemy armies. The oldest fortresses in Israel were at Jericho, dating back to 7000 B.C., in Hebrew, the word literally means high place, protection, stronghold, refuge. In battle, this was very, very important to have on the battlefield. Without the fortress, there was no place to retreat. And David knew what the fortresses were. He would have had experience what fortress would do for a soldier a place where he could run to, a place where he can find protection. David knew the powerful image of the fortress. And when he's facing his enemies of Saul after his life, he pens this truth to say, God is my fortress. And he could go to God as his fortress. There is no other place for David to go. And this is exactly why David penned this truth. This is a picture of Nimrod Fortress, located on the mountain slopes of Mount Hermon. A mountain located in Israel, a very well-known fortress today, and you can go there and spend a whole day exploring this mighty fortress. I had the opportunity to go there to Israel and actually spend the day on uh, Fort Nimrod. The beautiful fortress, uh, as you can see, it's, it's on a hill there. It's on a peak of Mount Hermon. And this fortress, as you can see, it's, it's solid, it's firm, the foundation, there's shelter, there's refuge for this fortress. When David feared for his life, he penned this truth. When David feared for his life, he penned this truth. He faced this truth. He went to the fortress. You, O oh Lord, are my fortress. 
Christian, when you are going through trials that you don't understand and you feel great fear that arise for such times, look to God and to know that He has not abandoned you. He is your fortress. There is no other place to go other than God as our mighty fortress. Recently, there was a young girl that I knew from growing up in my childhood who was in a fatal car accident. She was hit by a drunk driver. And she spent that week struggling for her life. Praise be to God, about a year before this happened, she gave her life over to Christ. There was a battle that she had to face. 17 years old. She was not sure. She had her whole life in front of her. And the battle came. The fight came for her life. It came out of nowhere. Where else was she supposed to go other than to God as her fortress? She fought for a week. God was her fortress. She lost the battle. She was brain dead at 17 years old. For her, where else was she supposed to go? Christian, there is no other place that we can go other than God is our fortress. We don't know when the battles of life come. It could be today. It could be five years from now. It could be ten years from now. Teen. Seventeen. She had her whole life in front of her. And that was taken from her. But God ordained that. She had strength. She had hope. She held on to the promises of God that He was her fortress. There is no other place to go. Where else can we go as a Christian other than to God as our fortress? Breathe this truth down deep. God is our fortress. God is our fortress. Hallelujah. Praise Him. God knows exactly the battles that you're facing right now. Turn to Him as your fortress. Another truth we approach here is God is our shield. In verse 11, Kill them not, lest my people forget. Make them totter by your power and bring them down, O Lord, our shield. Now, if you remember in the great battle of David and Goliath, David seeks God as his shield and protector. You see, if you remember what happened on the battlefield with Goliath and David, he didn't have a armor. He didn't have a shield. As we see when we turn to the story in 1 Samuel 17, Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put on a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor and he tried in vain to go for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. 
Goliath was his enemy. And yet he did not have physical armor. He did not have a physical shield. He looked to God to protect them. He only knew that God was the one that would have victory. For he was only a man, but he had a big and wonderful and mighty God. Christian life in this fallen world is a battlefield and we will face many, many battles. We are on the front line. When trials and tribulations come, where are we to go for our safe refuge? For a place we can have refuge and safety. Where are we to go? Where? There is no other place. Just like David, he went to God as his fortress. We can go to God as our shield. And he will protect us. He will protect us. I'm going to read verse, going back to verse 3. This time, I want you to listen to these words in the voice of our Lord, in the voice of Christ. Verse 3 and 4. For behold, they lie in wait for my life. Fierce men stir up strife against me. For no transgression or sin of mine, O Lord, for no fault of mine, they run and make ready. Awake, come to meet me and see. Psalms 22. A psalm of our Lord. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Verse 12 through 15. For the sin of their mouth, the words of their lips, let them to be trapped in their pride. For the cursing and lies that they utter, consume them in wrath. Consume them till they are no more, that they may know that God rules over Jacob to the ends of the earth. Consume them in your wrath, O God. Jesus was utterly consumed by the wrath of God. The full weight, the full weight of the glory of God, the full weight of the wrath of God consumed our Lord, our Christ. Jesus was cut off from the perfect union with His Father. Listen very carefully, Christians. If God the Father was the fortress for God the Son, a place of refuge, a place of hiding, God would not be our strong fortress. God the Father consumed His own Son with His wrath. For you and I, when Jesus was on the cross of Golgotha, on the cross of Calvary, He looked upon the heaven. And he knew in his heart he had every single one that he would die for from all eternity on his heart. And because of the love that he had, such love 
that He was consumed by the wrath of God so that you and I can be sons and daughters of the Most High King. God had no, Jesus had no fortress. God was not His fortress. As Romans 5.10 For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more now that we are reconciled shall be saved by His life. Friend, if you have not repented of your sins, you are still under the wrath of God. You are still an enemy of God. Repent today. We must understand that we, if you have given your life over to Christ, that you are now a friend. You are now a son and a daughter. But before, you were an enemy of God. God's vengeance was against you. We must understand that we were enemies of God. You and I were not just sinners, but we were enemies against the great and mighty God. If you are in Christ this morning, you have been delivered from the wrath of God and an eternity of punishment of your sin. Let this truth sink in deep. God is your fortress because for Jesus Christ, God the Father was not His fortress. God the Father was not His shield. He was utterly consumed. All our sins were placed upon Him. And He bore the wrath of God. And He bore our sins. And He, Jesus, the Lord, the Holy One, became an enemy of God because of you and I. Jesus is perfect. Jesus is holy. His perfection. But because of our sins, in order for us to go to heaven, in order for us to have a right relationship with God, Jesus Christ, the Holy One, fully man and fully God, had to die. He did for you and I. David was spared that day. Those that have repented of their sins and have believed to Christ will be spared. But those that have not repented of their sins, who do not believe in the resurrection of Christ, who do not believe in the Gospel, who their hearts are turned like salt in bitterness and anger, towards God. You are an enemy of God. If you are here today and you have not repented of your sins, if you have not trusted in the saving power of Christ, you are here today and if you die and you could walk out these walls, this building, and be in a fatal car accident, and if you have not repented of your sins, you will go to hell because you are still an enemy of God. This truth of God as our mighty fortress was purchased with the precious blood of Christ. This truth of God as our shield was purchased with the precious blood of our Savior. And these truths are only true for us because of what Christ has done for us. And that loves you so much. Scene 3. Victor. I'm going to ask 
the worship team to come up at this time. Verses 16 through 17. Verses 16 through 17. But I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. For you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. O my strength, I will sing praises to you. For you, O God, are my fortress. The God who shows steadfast love. Jesus is the victor. Jesus has won the battle. Every single battle that we go through in this life to know that Jesus has been victorious, is victorious, and is right now at the right hand of the Father. And when we face these trials, when we face these enemies, whatever your enemies are, we know that Jesus is fighting for you. He is your strong and mighty fortress. He is your shield. Your defender this morning. And because of that, we have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to rejoice in. Listen to these words. Let the word minister to you today. Let Christ be exalted in your heart. Don't ignore this time. Believe. Jesus loves you so, so much. 1 Corinthians 15 says this. And I'll close with these words. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Stand firm. Go to the fortress of our mighty God. Let's go to our mighty fortress in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank You for being our King. Thank You for being our strong fortress in the midst of this messy, hard life, Lord. For this life is a battlefield and there's trials and tribulations and enemies that will come out of nowhere. But Lord, you have defeated Satan. You have defeated death. Death no longer remains for you. And you alone, O Lord, help us to turn to Jesus. Help us turn to your Son and you alone. No other hope in this world. No other hope. Only you, O Lord. So let us look to you. Let us look to you as our strong and mighty fortress. As our shield. As our victor, Lord. You have won and you're coming back. Praise be to God. Father, praise be to Jesus. It's in your Son's precious name.
by his blood, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Psalm 48, verses 9 and 10. Brothers and sisters, we have thought on your steadfast love, O God, in the midst of your temple. That's what we've been doing this morning. We've been considering the steadfast love of the Lord in the midst of his temple, which is us. As your name, O God, so your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. And brothers and sisters, that it is through us that the praise of God reaches to the ends of the earth. We gather to remind ourselves and each other that the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever, to re-energize our passion for God's truth, and to be sent by God back into the world to be salt and light to to a bland and dark world. Lord, through us, let your praise reach the ends of the earth and let your gospel transform us into ambassadors of your love. Amen. Amen. Go in peace, brothers and sisters.